I will be your teacher. What a fortunate and blessed group of people you are today. That's right. Thank you for that one lonely fan out there. Woohoo! It's a it's a small crowd, but it's generous. Yes. We're going to talk about I'll be your teacher for the next couple of weeks, by the way. So, your the other teacher is gone. Gone like a freight train. Gone like yesterday. Gone. Gone to Maine. So, Ginger is in Maine and looks like she's having a good time. Uh, Carlina? Were you here Mother's Day? No. Well, in Mother's Day from Family Worship Center. Just keep your seat. You're a busy mom all by yourself. Your husband left you down there in, El pa- in the West Texas town of El Paso. All right. Are there any other mothers that I've missed? All right. So, Amber, that was a nice day last Sunday. Baby dedications and everything. Helped me have a little bit of sermon material. It's kind of bled over into today. We're going to talk for the next two weeks about who is God. Uh, I know a lot of people, you encounter a lot of people at work. You encounter a lot of people uh, in your life that they all have differing, differing opinions of who is God. Have you noticed that? And it's amazing how much that somebody is a Bible scholar when they start to argue with you, but then you realize they haven't been in church in like 38 years, and it's like, really, are they a Bible scholar or not? They can't put two pieces of the scriptures together. So I want to talk to you today about who's God. This will be two weeks, two sessions. We want to talk about uh, God is a spirit first. The second part of it today is there is but one God. And so we're going to see if this clicker works. There it is. God is a spirit. There's going to be lots of scriptures, so you may want to write these down or highlight them. I guess we're recording this, aren't we? And sending it out, so I guess you can refer back to that if you'd like. If you'd like to look at my color coordinations today as well. Here we go. So let's get into this. God is a spirit. He's not human like you and I are. John 4, 23 says, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, it's very hard for our our minds to comprehend Number one, that God is a spirit. You can't see him. You can't always touch him, although we're touched by him. You can't always point to an image and say, this is God. That's man's problem. Man likes to build idols for their, and for our, it gives us security, I guess. You know, it gives us security. It says, here's, here's our God. Listen, the children of Israel came out of Egypt. They miraculously saw the Red Sea open up. 
after they had miraculously experienced ten plagues and deliverance from ten plagues, they saw the Egyptians, the most powerful army on the face of the earth, drowned and destroyed when the walls of the waters of the Red Sea closed back in. And before long, they are building an idol of a calf to worship. When Moses is on Mount Sinai. So, our human, our human reasoning is hard to comprehend. Well, I worship a God that you can't see. I worship a God that you can't feel, touch. I worship a God that is intangible. It's very hard sometimes for us to do that. But it's a step by faith. The Bible says in Hebrews, For they that come to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's go on. So we going to, uh, yeah, we're going to uh, the next one. Ah, Acts seven forty eight and forty nine. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will you build me? Saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? So here they're quoting in Isaiah that the heavens are the Lord's throne, the earth is his footstool. You know, think about this. Way back in Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abraham, at that point his name was not Abraham, it was Abram, okay? It wasn't changed until he began to produce children. It was uh, then that that took a big step of faith because Abram came from a idolatrous culture. He grew up in Ur of the Chaldees, the Chaldeans, and they were heathen idol god worshipers. And so for him to say, I'm my God is you can't see him, you can't touch him, you that that takes a lot of faith. And so that went against everything that his culture of that time had presented to him. And so a lot of times we when we start walking in this spirit led walk it goes against a lot of culture and against a lot of thinking from our past and from our associations around us. That you know, I don't know. Nathan, Nathan's kind of got religious on us. You know, that may have been a discussion down there at the nurses' station when Nathan got the Holy Ghost, got baptized. You know, Nathan, Nathan, now he's he's a holy roller. It goes against the culture that you were in. But God is a, is a God to pull you out of culture. He wants to pull us into his culture. And so when he pulls us into his culture and we become more like him, we're going to look more odd to the world every day. All right, is that good or not? Amen. You know, you know I'm, I'm seven minutes into my lesson and it's hot. Number one, it's hot in here. Is it hot in here? Well, can somebody turn some air on just a little bit? Well, Vernie, you're right over the vent. I guess I could teach from back there. It's cordless. If you're really hot, you sit back there with Vernie. Maybe that's why all this, all the visitors sit back there because it's nice and cool. Amen. So uh, we're going to guess culture when we serve an invisible God. He is the God, Acts 17, 24 through 28, who made the world and everything in it. Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, 
He doesn't live in man-made temples. And human hands can't serve his needs, for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need there is. Uh, If you've traveled overseas, you don't even have to travel overseas. If you've traveled in America in certain parts of the country, there will be people who will have idols in their yards, and you can drive by those idols, and there will be flowers uh, laid at the foot of those idols. All you got to do is go 10, 15, 20 minutes from here. All you got to do is go to some places in this town, and people have idols in their yards, statues and idols. So it's in our culture as well, but God doesn't need anything. He gives life and breath to everything, and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand which should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose in all of this was that the nations should seek after God. Now watch, that was his purpose. That was God's purpose, that the nations should seek after God and feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any of us. For in him... We live and move and exist. In who? In God. In God we live, in God we move, and in God we exist. That's our goal. That's our main purpose for walking on this earth is finding that relationship with Him. We move, we live, we exist in Him. As one of your poets says, we are His offspring. And so that is what we are seeking to do and become in the Lord is become intertwined in a relationship with him that it consumes our entire lifestyle. It consumes our entire thinking. It it consumes our entire being where your mind is on a relationship with the Lord a lot. A lot. Okay. See what I'm saying? Jamie, what scripture do you need? This one. Oh. Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's uh, Acts 17, 24 through 28. Acts 17, 24 through 28. So I, I don't know about you. I, has anybody, I mean, most of you have seen my office before COVID. Now you've seen it after COVID. You know, COVID did a lot of bad things, but it got my office cleaned up. All right. <clears throat> and that was because the Lord dropped faith bombs on me. I'm in there setting one day. It's freezing in here. It's like 40 degrees through the whole building because I shut all the heat off. Fox like, please don't shut the heat off. It's all right, Fox. Unless it goes way deep, then I'll turn the heat on. I'm sitting in here, and it's dark, and it's cold, and, and I'm in my office, and the Lord says, look at, look at this look at this drain wreck. He said, I'd be ashamed to bring anybody in here. And I'm looking around for voices. There were no voices. It was in my spirit. And I'm like, oh, boy. He said, you know what? You need to clean this place up. Here I've, this, this is what puts, I don't know if the Lord does this to you. He probably just does it to me because I'm very obstinate. I'm very hard-headed. I'm very stubborn. And it takes a lot to just get my attention. And finally, he says, you know what? Is this all the better you can take, that you can do taking care of what I give you? I give you this nice office, and look what it looks like. Well, 
First step, you go to Rural King and buy you a big box of tra- uh, contractor trash bags. Amen. And, it's, and it starts. So COVID, and now then the Lord started working on me with other things that I needed to do in my journey with him. You know, I'm, I'm up in years. I'm, I'm 39 a couple times over, you know. I'm like a scratch on a CD. You remember those? A DVD. You're watching your favorite movie on a DVD and there's that scratch. And you pray to God, Lord, just let it get past the scratch. Because if it doesn't get past the scratch, it's stuck. And so my, I'm on the, my 39th birthday in my life is a scratch on my DVD and I just keep getting stuck there. But anyway, they keep coming and it's like, man. So now he's even telling me, I graduated from Bible college. You know, I've been preaching a long time. I've done travel. I've, I've been on missions trips and, and done that. I've, uh, we've founded the church, pastoring the church, done all that. And he still says, you know what? There's still more you need to do. And so I'm working on that. And so what am I doing? I'm, I'm getting my, my being, my existence in him is getting more entwined every day. And that's what my goal is, and I hope it's yours too. Psalm 139, 7 through 12 says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, or if I dwell by the farthermost oceans, farthest, farthest oceans. How about that? Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day and darkness and light are both alike to you. That's the New Living Translation, Psalms 139. You can't get away from the presence of the Lord. It's that still, small voice. Let me tell you this. You, you get the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God comes into your life. You get baptized for the remission of your sins. And you're walking on this journey. And then some, suddenly something comes along in life and trips you up. Okay? And it trips you up. And then you take your foot off the gas. You decelerate. You take your foot off the gas, and then you're not going to church as much. Then you're not praying as much. Then you're not working on uh, the, the relationship with the Lord as much. So eventually, it's got to the point where, you know, people don't even go to church. Back in the old school, we called them backsliders. They're backslid. So if you're not going forward, you want to make sure you're not going backwards. But here's what happens. You know, this that Psalm says, I cannot go anywhere that your presence isn't. And I have talked to people who are no longer in church, that, have, that were in church 20 years ago, 40 years ago, living for the Lord. And something came along and got uh, in their way, sideswiped them, took them out, whatever it was. And they say, they say this, but you know, even though I haven't done this, and even though I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should, he still talks to me. Doesn't matter where you're at, he's still going to talk to you. He doesn't just leave you because you were a bad kid. No, he's going to sit there and bother you. Remember how your mom and dad used to nag you? Nag, nag, nag. He's going to bother you. 
He's going to talk to you. And so you can't hide from his presence. That's very hard for people to realize and to understand is because they see an idol or, you know, a lot of people don't worship idols per se as statues in a yard or statues on a hill. Uh, I don't, I know probably in Laos where Johnny's from, there are statues of Buddha up in the mountains or different parts of, is there statues of Buddhas in every town, every city? Temples, temples. Okay, so they have the, the Buddhist temples. And so, you know, you look at, a lot of people don't just worship that. In America, we worship a God called money and materialism and education and status. So, you know, it's a little different here. Sometimes our gods, people, you can have an idol and it not be a statue. It could be a, 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 it could be a personality. It could be a lifestyle. It could be things and all of that business. Let's go on. First Kings chapter number eight, verse 27. But God will indeed dwell, but will God indeed, oh, wow. But will God indeed, King James is so wonderful, dwell on the earth? Question mark. Behold, the heavens of the heavens of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less the house that I have built. This was a quote by Solomon. Solomon is saying, how the house that I'm building, the Lord, how is it even going to contain him when the heavens of the heavens of the heavens cannot contain him? Well, it was just a focal point. It was just a connection point that the Lord wanted Solomon to build there. Jeremiah chapter 23 says this, 23, 23. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I fill heaven and earth, saith the Lord. And so there we have that. God fills heaven and earth. He's everywhere. Have you ever thought about say, well, you know, you've got this thought in your mind and you say, I probably shouldn't say that because the Lord might get mad. I don't need. But guess what? He knows your thoughts. He knows you already thought it. You just can't trick him. I told you, I, 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 there's been a couple times in my life where I really thought I had the Lord tapped out. I thought I really did. That one that one time I thought I had him tapped out and man I was I was driving down the road. I was in a delivery truck. I was delivering plants from the greenhouse over in St. Elmo. And I'm driving down the road and I'm so happy because I'm thinking there is no way. There is no way that is ever going to happen. And I was fleecing the Lord. You know what that means? That means you're not stealing from him. All right. I had, let me put it this way. I had put a fleece before the Lord. We don't want to fleece the Lord. I had put a fleece before the Lord that said, if X, Y, Z happens, then I'll start a church in Vandalia. And man, I got up from that negotiating session. We had a power breakfast, me and the Lord, McDonald's. Probably a couple of sausage burritos. Come on in here, Frank. Get in here. And uh, hash browns, and it was probably good. And I got out of there, and man, I was just so happy. 
And lo and behold, I didn't even have 12 hours. In less than about 10 hours, he tapped me out. He tapped me out. I couldn't even believe it. And you know what? He already knew that my thoughts, he already he knows the end from the beginning, right? He already knows it all. He knows everything. He's omniscient. So he knows it all. He already knew. He had already started putting things in place to bring about the answer that I wasn't looking for even before I prayed and negotiated. So things that come into your life, some things come into your life, the Lord allows them to come in to get his will and his destiny and his purpose fulfilled and, and activated in your life. Yeah, it, it happens. So we're serving a God who is a spirit. We are serving a God that you cannot touch with physical hands, but you can touch him with your heart and with your emotions. That's why we have emotions. You can touch him with your your feelings and your disappointments. You can touch him with your excitements and your joys. He knows what you're going through. That's what makes it so awesome. So God is a spirit. Now, let's go on to the next one. There is but one God. Uno. One. One God. Okay? There is one God. We're going to start in Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a very good scripture here. In fact, this is very important to the Jews. The Jews used Deuteronomy 6 to train their children. All right? Lots of scriptures here, but I don't want to owe Clark any time like Ginger does. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, the only Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your mind and heart and with your entire being and with all your might. So we're loving the Lord with all of everything, our being, our mind, our emotions, everything, all our might. And these words, which I am commanding you this day, shall be first in your own minds and hearts. So Moses is saying, you put these in your own minds first. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall wet and sharpen. Now, back in the day, my, my brother, Ginger's dad, was a meat cutter, a butcher. So, I mean, whenever you need anything processed, we just haul 650 miles in there, and he'll cut it up, we'll haul it 650 miles back. We need a lot of dry ice keep it cold but they used a whetstone to sharpen his knives and a, and a steel you know the steel you ever see him do this I, I couldn't do that I'd cut a hand off well, he'd have sat there and do that all day just like you know it's nothing but the Lord said I want you to wet and sharpen them what these commandments so as to make them penetrate and teach and impress them diligently upon the minds and hearts of your children Here's the, here's the problem in society today. Parents have ab, have abdicated their their role. It's the parents who should be teaching the children about life things, not the school. The school should be teaching about reading, writing, and arithmetic. But you see that that vacuum is there, and so then the school system has taken over that, and now we're getting all kinds of trash being taught in our schools. That was all free. 
You didn't have to. So you're going to put this in the hearts of your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So what are you doing? You're going to tell these kids there's one Lord. There's only one Lord. His name is Jehovah. Because we're in the Old Testament, right? His name is Yahweh. There's only one Lord, kids. Don't ever forget that. When we travel through different lands and you see idols and you see statues and you see all of these temples and erections to uh, other gods and deities, remember this. Your God is the God of heaven and earth. You cannot see him, but he's there. So they're putting that in their minds, those babies' minds, as they are young and little. And when you sh- and you shall bind them as a sign upon your hand, and they shall be as frontlets, forehead bands, before your eyes. He said, I want you to do it as frontlets. I want you to always have that command that, guess what? Every day you wake up, the command is, I'm serving the one true God of heaven and earth. I'm serving. Now you say, okay, so my, my kids are grown. Guess what? You're going to have grandkids that are going to come along probably. So you can do this with your grandkids. All right? Edison was not a mistake. Because for some reason, that scroll of destiny found that body. So uh, uh, purposely and appropriately, God has said he has a plan for Edison's life. So on the way to bed, when I get the job of putting Edison to bed, ooh, man. You ever put them to bed and they cry when you walk out? That that hurts. It's, it's so it's so hard. I just want to crawl in that crib with them. Turn the TV up. Listen, do not let Clark watch your grandkids. All right, I'm just telling you. You you just found out you you didn't have to read his resume. truth. Now, turn the TV up. All right. On the way up the steps, I say, Edison, tonight the Lord is going to give you sweet dreams about your destiny and about what God has planned for your life. You know, people, there are people all over the world. There are people in our, there are people in our community. There are people in our state. There are people in our churches. There are people that feel like they should not have even been born. They're just a waste. They don't feel good about themselves. Nobody cared. Nobody loved me. Guess what? God had a purpose or you wouldn't be here. God had a purpose for you. So listen, that's what, I mean, that's what we put on our walls, don't we? Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, right? Anybody got that on your wall? Okay, it's Go to sisters. I'm sure they got some of those up there. All right. He said, I want them before their eyes. I want it there every day. I want them to see every day there's a plan and a purpose. And you shall write upon the doorpost of your house and on your gates. He said, I want it in your house. I want it outside your house. I can't remember what the name of the thing is called. There's a little bar thing that uh, I have. I bought in Israel. Ginger has one when she went to Israel. And the Jews put it on, it's, I think it's the Ten Commandments or something there that is put on your door. And whenever they would go in, they would touch that as they went in. Every time they came out, they would touch it as they went out. 
it was a reminder that our purpose is not just our secular purpose to collect and accumulate stuff and things for storage unit capacities and see who has the biggest storage units, storage wars, right? It is to do his plan and his purpose. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 says this to 32. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Now, let me say this, okay? And this may help somebody as you walk through life and you talk to people about the Lord. I don't know, have, have you ever talked to people about the Lord and they're just ignorant? They, don't, they, they A, either don't want to hear it or B, make something up or C, they're just plain stupid. I didn't say that. Okay? And do you notice who gives you more trouble when you talk to him about the Lord? Is it the sinner or is it a religious person? It's a religious person. Guess what? Jesus encountered the same situation. He had more trouble out of the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious people than he did sinners. So this scribe comes to Jesus and he wants to know, what is the first commandment of all? There, Brother Jesus. What's that first commandment? Jesus answered, said, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So he immediately says what Deuteronomy 6 says. And then he goes on and he says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, so Jesus goes on. He says, in the second commandment, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and there's none other greater than these. So you know that there's one Lord, and you love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Number two, you love your neighbor as yourself. My wife picked me up a book the other day. She said, I bought this book for you. I think you'll like reading it. And it's by Jensen Franklin. And it says, love like you've never been hurt. Just the title, just the cover, got my attention. But i got to finish my other book first. No. That is Secret Empires. You heard that one? That's about all of our politicians who are making billions of dollars and all the corruption in the government and in the world. But I've got to finish that one first, but I've only got a little bit to go. But love like you've never been hurt. Because hurting people hurt other people. You know? If, if somebody's hurting, the only way they know to respond is they hurt somebody else. That's the only thing they know. And so Jesus is saying here to the scribe and he said you know what we're going to not only know that the lord is one and we serve him with everything we got but we also love our neighbor as ourselves and the scribe said to him well master thou hast said the truth for there is one god and there is none other but he well i'm glad and aren't you glad that jesus met the expectations of the scribe you know and sometimes as we're talking to people about the lord they get you so angry 
Because, number one, some of them can't even get off one scripture to see the others. And you can show stuff in black and white. It's right here. And they still can't see it. They don't understand it. And that's how we have to love. We have to just love them sometimes. We're going to Malachi, Old Testament, chapter 2, verse 10. Do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously against each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? That's the New American Standard. Malachi says, why are we doing this? We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to have love. Love like you've never been hurt. Love unconditionally. It's hard. Unconditional love is very hard in our realm. In our human realm, unconditional love is very hard. And it's very hard as we come into the church because, you know, a lot of people say, man, I don't know what's wrong with the church. The church didn't used to be like this. The church the church uh, isn't what it used to be. Well, I, ha- I raised my hand and I asked, where do church people come from? Where do church people come from? The world. They come from outside. All right? So, if you have the church standard is here. I'm going to hold this up here so Brother Art doesn't yell at me. because, Pastor, you need to hold that microphone up to your mouth. Okay? So, th- this is the church standard and this is the world standard. And as the world goes, the church goes. When the world goes down, the church goes down. There's always a, a gap, a buffer between the world standard and the church standard. All right? Most of us feel like that we're not like people in the world, aren't we? You're here this morning. You're not mowing your grass. As my neighbor was, I said, Lord, he needs to be in church. Get him in church. Now the Lord said, well, why didn't you just stop inviting him? I said, well, I don't, I, that's just what he told me just now. I don't know. I said, you want him in church and you didn't even say nothing. No, I just drove on. I got deadlines and commitments. I'm going against the wind. I'm running against the wind, right? So when the world standard goes down, the church, we keep the same buffer, but it could go down as well. And so there are people, years ago, if you would have said, the church is going to ordain homosexual priests and pastors, what would we have all said? No. Every mainline denomination would have said no 25, 30 years ago. Today, mainline denominations are ordaining homosexuals and transgender, priests and pastors. Why? You see, that's where we get our people from, the world. So we have to be careful that we have a biblical base in our thoughts. We have to be careful that our thoughts are biblically based. And you know what? That is going to look so opposite of what we endured and have today. Amen? So get ready for that. It's going to get better. Isaiah 44, verse 6. 
This is what the Lord, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord Almighty says. I am the first and the last. There is no other God. Who else can tell you what is going to happen in the days ahead? Let them tell you if they can. This is what the Lord says, Isaiah 45, 2 and 6. I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. No, that's not my last one. What's wrong with this today? Ah. And why have I called you for this work? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. I called you by name when you did not know me. Now, God is talking to King Cyrus. King Cyrus here was a heathen king. He was a wicked king. I believe he was of the Phoenicians. And... But God used him to bless Israel. Now, God will use the world and people in the world to bless not only natural Israel, but he will use people to bless the church as well. Because the church, we are spiritual Israel. All right? We are spiritual Israel. Well, oh, man. We are spiritual Israel. And so God is going to take care of his people and use whoever he chooses to use for i am oops for i am the i am the lord there is no other god i have prepared you even though you do not know me so all the world from east to west will know there is no other god i am the lord and there is no other there's no other god just the invisible god of israel isaiah 45:21 consult together argue your case and state your proofs that idol worship pays Who made these things known long ago? What idol ever told you they would happen? Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a just God and a Savior. No, not one. Let all the world look to me for salvation, for I am God. There is no other. I have sworn by my own name, and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bow to me. And every tongue will confess allegiance to my name. Isaiah 46, 8. Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O ye transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God, and there is none like me. So now, what about it? Should we eat meat that is not has been sanctified or sacrificed to idols. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's dealing with this situation. Well, we all know that an idol is not really a God and that there is only one God and no other. According to some people, there are so there are many so-called gods and many lords both in heaven and on earth. But we know. Everybody say we know. We know that there is only one God, the Father, who created everything, and we exist for him, and there is only one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom God made everything and through whom we have been given life. And then 
finalizing here. Ephesians, where, where to go? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. And then 1 Timothy 5, or 2.5, I'm sorry. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. James chapter 2, verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Now this is a very interesting scripture here. Okay? So for a person who claims that there are other gods. For a person who claims that there is none other or there are more than just the one God, then they claim to know more than God and less than the devil. Because the Bible says in James 2.19, you believe in one God, you're doing well. The devils also believe and tremble. So if you believe in more than one God, you know more than God and less than the devil because God says there's only one and the devils believe that as well. And then Revelation chapter 4, verse 2, and I'm closing. Let's all stand. you got to stretch. I've been up here stretched the whole morning. Bernie's probably froze to death sitting back there over that vent. Somebody might need to walk by and knock the icicles off of him. Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. This is one. This is a very uh, favorite passage here of mine, one of them. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Just one. Guess what? When you get to heaven, we're only going to see one. And you know what his name is going to be? Jesus. Amen. So there you go. Next week we're going to talk about him, his dual nature. We're going to talk about the dual nature of God. He was 100% God and he was 100% man. All right? Lord, we thank you for your word today. Thank you for the clarity of your word. Thank you for opening our minds and hearts with understanding to receive. Lord, we just ask you to continue to move in this place in a mighty way today. Touch hearts and lives. Be with each of us. Those that need to hear this word today, bring them. Let them tune in, wherever they may be. We just give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Pick up some music. Go potty. Do whatever you got to do.